You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. If you love UND athletics but don't have access to Midco Sports Network, you can now stream your favorite North Dakota teams on Midco SN's new streaming platform, Midco Sports Plus. For Summit League hoops, volleyball and softball, Missouri Valley football, along with the NSIC and high school sports in the Dakotas, plus all of Midco SN's original shows, go to midcosn.com slash streaming to sign up today. That's Midco SN and Midco Sports Plus. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shapes Podcast, taping this on a Tuesday afternoon, February the 2nd, Groundhog's Day, along with Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Heinert. <laughs> Hope you put your booties on this morning, Bill, because it is cold outside. Or how, is, however the radio call goes on Bill Murray's. Yeah, uh, that's right. It, it, in the hotel. It's been anything but Groundhog Day, though, right? Like, it's like I have no idea what's happening minute to minute. So uh, that would be probably the exact opposite of what Groundhog Day has been, right? Yeah, that is true. Every, every week is unique here in 2021 and the fact that you've got especially again in your chair where there's this normal cadence that comes along with the different seasons sports come and go and you have a a rhythm certainly not the case here in this current academic year and and certainly here in the new calendar year and that's evident when you look at this past week we were just talking pre-pod seven different athletic teams were in action this past week that's unbelievable when you've got the blend of fall and winter and a little bit of spring sort of sprinkled in there too it's a lot to keep up with but obviously you and the staff and everybody's doing a great job of making it happen and keeping these events going yeah a lot of it has to do with uh really good communication and uh if there's a time where some of our programs are going to have to take on some responsibilities that let's just say normally they don't but the very first one is to make sure, and you used a good word, cadence, right? It, it, you got to make sure that you're uh, fulfilling your testing cadence. And each sport is different. And so, you know, and, and what's interesting or has been interesting is each one of them has been coming into the competition game at a different time of the, you know, calendar year. And so each one of them now are learning what others have learned already if they've been playing their season. And so it, it, I almost have to re-remind myself every day that even though we're this far down the path with basketballs and hockey, we're not there, let's just say, with volleyball or softball, uh, you know, or even the golfs or the tennises. And so it just, um, it, it, it doesn't seem that it should be that hard, but it, it just, everyone's at a different spot. And, uh, but everyone's doing a good job. I, you know, I, we knew this was going to be the bumpy part of 21 and knock on wood, hopefully, you know, it's going to, you know, get better and better as the year goes on. And I think, you know, wherever we are in that kind of Valley, hopefully, I don't know how deeper it goes, depending on the, those variants that are coming in. Right. And then offsetting it, hopefully with vaccines, you know, maybe then we'll start on the uptick. That's the hope, and that's what we've been hoping for for a while. You mentioned the fact that the schools in our conferences, our, our student-athletes you know, are, have been doing the job and, and getting competitions in. UND hasn't had much in terms of cancellations, really, since the last time we talked. So scheduling changes because of some opposition stuff and, and leagues trying to make things work with a few teams out. But really, it's almost been what has been on the schedule has stayed there, really, with only a couple of exceptions in the last three weeks, some good positives in that sense. Yeah, you know, so each state and county for sure runs things just a little bit differently during this time frame. And I know from our perspective, um, our public health uh, has has really done a great job in, you know, I guess I'll say allowing us do, to do the work in regards to um, if we do get a positive, how do you trace that out? And there's some counties in the country, Alex, that you know, you just might get one positive and it takes out the whole team. And that, so that's the trick to some degree that, you know, some of my counterparts, they just have to, they're working within the confines of their situation as we're working the confines of ours. And so, you know, and I'll say this, not good, not bad, just is. And we just have to 
continue to work it through. And you're right. Um, knock on wood and knock on everything right now. Yeah. We've been pretty fortunate to get games in, uh, you know, there's some schools that have just had some bad luck that, you know, some things have happened. Uh, South Dakota state's won in basketball. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they seem to be, you know, just kind of jinxed in a sense. Uh, you know, it, it's their turn every week. It seems like their opponent is is going through some things. And, you know, we're, we're going to Denver in hoops this weekend. But I think uh, in talking to my counterpart in, or texting with Carlton is it seems like we're on for this week, you know, and that's coming off them not playing South Dakota State. And it seems like, you know, the Jackrabbits have been in that boat a couple of times this year. Yeah, when you look at the standings, the Jacks have played four games this year. And there are some schools who have played 10, North Dakota included. You know, it's it's amazing. Oh, Omaha, obviously Denver, they, they've had those issues with COVID. So they've only got six games apiece. And South Dakota's got a few less than everybody else. Same thing with Kansas City. But yeah, when you think about it, North Dakota has been one of the lucky ones, especially in that sport. And same thing in hockey, too. North Dakota's kind of been one of the lucky ones. Colorado College just had their second COVID issue. The league had to move some things around and shift the date up and a date back to, to sort of fit in the schedule. But for the most part, again, UND's been able to get their games in even when others have not. Yeah, no question. And, you know, you think about it, um, you know, now for hockey, uh, from now until truly the end of the year, we're going to be pretty much in Grand Forks. And so that's, that's a welcome, welcome sight for this team because they've been road warriors and, uh, you know, for, for what we, I think have been able to accomplish, uh, without playing games at the Ralph, uh, you know, hopefully can bode well, but at the end of the day, we still gotta, you know, obviously play the games and, you know, and teams will be coming in desperate and all of those types of things. So, uh, but you're right. We've been fortunate, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, that's a good segue into the rundown of this. We're going to kind of check off the boxes of what UND's programs have been doing in in recent weeks since our last pod. Hockey, of course, being one. UND now has played 18 games. Like you said, I mean, most of them, 16 of them have been on the road. Thankfully, that run is going to come to an end here pretty soon with just just, uh, one more road game the rest of the way, which is incredible when you think about it. Uh, This is a UND team that is now in first place in the NCHC. Uh, They've built a a bit of a, not, not a huge gap, but a five-point lead over the chase pack, albeit those teams, St. Cloud State and Minnesota Duluth, have a game in hand right now. But they control their own destiny to go back-to-back uh, for Penrose Cup championships and win their fourth in a row. They're coming off a split down in Omaha, friendly Omaha, the, the friendly confines of Baxter Arena. Um, the, you know, again, after a sweep, their, their home opener again a couple of weeks back over Colorado College. Uh, but still, this team has won 11 in their last 13 games, number three in the country, Bill. I mean, really outside of just one or two little blips on the radar, there's just not much to nitpick about this group. Bradbury has this team playing great right now. Yeah, I I think so. And I think, uh, given the fact that, you know, we've got our bye week this week, I think it gives, uh, our, our guys a chance to, to maybe, uh, you know, work on some things individually. And if there's some bumps and bruises, uh, hopefully to get healthy, uh, you know, you're always playing with some bumps and bruises, uh, for sure. So that will be helpful. I think you can get, uh, you know, kind of reset from an academic standpoint, which is great. And then I think the coaches, you know, this gives them a chance right now to self scout a little bit. I I think they can kind of analyze, you know, what has happened over the first 18 games and what do we need to improve on? And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, as long as there's a, you know, a team, uh, they're, they're never going to hit the absolute apex of where they can be. But I think when you have a chance now to kind of figure out, you know, maybe what are the things that are even keeping this team back even further? Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, our coaches are excited to kind of figure that one out. And you're right. I mean, every game except for one now at home and then, uh, and then postseason wise, we'll see, Alex. I, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, uh, I think with the given uh, thought process of, you know, the the situation that's in Minnesota with the lack of fans that can occur there, there's some things that uh, we need to decide. I, I know the Big Ten and Hockey East have gone to a single elimination format, I think, uh, primarily to condense the time frame in which teams have to be on the road and they do not want to take away 
the opportunity to play in a tournament. So, so I think, you know, um, hopefully here in the next week or so, we should have some direction as to what we might think that might look like from an NCHC standpoint. Yeah, that's been a question that's been out there for a while. Like, I wonder what the pro season is going to look like in terms of conference playoffs with the old format being everybody goes to a home site for the top four seeds. You know, you host the best of three and then the following week you go to Minneapolis or go to the Twin Cities. Now, I guess we go to the go to St. Paul and the XL Energy Center to do the semis and final. We'll be waiting to hear what the league uh, decides and what that will look like. So it's it, not surprised to hear again that those those sorts of everything is basically on the table right now to try and get a champion in the postseason and, and figure this thing out before the NCAAs start uh, the following week. Yeah, I mean, and I guess, you know, the format, I'll say this, all formats are in play. And so including sort of the the format that is, I'll call it, uh, that's on the schedule right now. Sure. But I think as we found out that it seems like everything's in play to be manipulated. And so we'll see what happens. Here's the tricky part in in. Uh, you know, we've just got to get to a place where we have an understanding of how the NCAA selection is going to take place. Yeah. That's a little bit of a challenge right now. And, uh, you know, I get it. I mean, I, I get the the uh, um, the committee is uh, in a situation that they've literally never been in. So they're trying to figure that out. And, you know, it would be awesome to have a little bit of guidance, but we haven't yet received that at this point. It would be nice to have to have a guess. It has been fun in recent weeks to see different national college hockey beat writers throw out their ideas of either how to select a field or here are my top 16. What do you guys think? And it is funny when you look at some of the teams on that list and some like Boston University still has, I think, nine games to go, seven games to go to get to the threshold of 13 to be eligible. So it'll be interesting to see what the NCAA does in regards to that. If you do have Make maybe make some special allowances for teams that have had COVID issues, and maybe you you change that number a little bit, or if you stick to that specific set of criteria to figure out your field. A lot of big decisions to be made here, as and especially again in a season where no one has really played anybody else outside of their conference. I mean, very very few. Obviously, some of the schools out east, there've been a couple. Some WCHA schools have played a couple schools from the Atlantic or from whatever, but for the most part. I mean, nobody in the NCHC has played outside no. of the NCHC. And there are only four schools in the ECAC. What do you do with that? There's just a lot of unique things, as you would guess, about the college hockey landscape this year. And uh, we're going to be on the edge of our seat waiting to find out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, it's, um, I guarantee you it's not something that the committee's not discussing at this point, but just there's been no, there's been no guidance at this stage, you know, and so, uh, so we'll find out, uh, you know, sooner here than later, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, I, I do know that the, the NCAA is, is obviously working incredibly hard on the basketball situation, just given, given the, you know, the, the, the financial, uh, you know, implications that that tournament has. So that's certainly taken uh, probably uh, a lot of the oxygen out of the room. Yeah, we'll talk about the hoops decision here in a bit to play the entire 68-team field in the state of Indiana, which again, hey, I mean, why not? I guess. Let's sure. <laughs> Let's get everybody in the same place and we'll figure that out. That's a big decision, of course, that was made a couple of weeks ago. Um, we should mention, by the way, speaking of NCAA tournament field, it's a great year to not be on the bubble. Again, assuming that North Dakota wins at least a handful of these games down the stretch, which you'd expect them to do, they'll likely be a high seed in the tournament and won't have to worry about selection Sunday. Again, you never know. But if, if there was ever a year where you didn't want to be sitting 12th, 13th, 14th in the polls and have to sweat it out, I mean, this would be the year. And then second... If you win these in the tournament, we know they're going to be in Fargo at the Midwest Regional. And so that, at least for now, I mean, the NCAA has said the plan still is to keep the regionals in the host sites. Although, did I see Manchester? Not not in the in the running anymore out east, correct? Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I... Y all of your statements are accurate and even the qualifiers too, right? For now. And, <laughs> and, and we are planning on, a, on it being in Fargo at this point. Um, it, that has not been, uh, you know, uh, decided differently at this stage, but you're right. I think uh, the Manchester regional will have to be uh, figured out because I think they, I think they opted out 
So uh, in the world of opting out, um, it seems like that occurred. Even arenas can opt out. Cities, yeah, whole there, cities can just opt out of duties. Alex, there's words, um, there's sayings that we'll never, ever forget. You know, the words opt out, um, you're muted is a good one. There's a, there's a, there's a few, right? I mean, there's just, there's just a few that we're just going to remember as we go forward. I didn't get you any of that. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, things to keep, yeah, I love it. You have to qualify everything that you say at this moment in time, that is still the plan moving forward. UND again, hockey off this week and then home against Denver coming up on Valentine's day weekend. Uh, exciting stuff there. And then again, Omaha the rest of the way until we get to the NCHC quarterfinals, whenever that may B. Flipping over to hoops, coming off a, a successful weekend uh, back home against Western Illinois this past weekend. Both the men and women uh, had a, had great battles against North Dakota State, and it's it's been fun to see this team again. The last couple of weeks, it has just been a ton of close games, good efforts from both the men and the women. Great to see Mallory Bernhard and company break through this past Friday night against Western Illinois to get their first win of the season. Nearly had the sweep um, over the Leathernecks, but Right now, again, it's incredible on the women's side in the Summit League. Even though UND had been over this season, one win, and all of a sudden they were one win away from being in seventh place. They could have yeah. overtaken Western Illinois and been in a, in a semi-comfortable position in terms of the Summit League tournament. As it stands right now, if the tournament started today, they would be in as the eighth seed ahead of a winless Omaha team. But it's, uh, it just goes to show, even if you're not having a great season, still everything to play for. You still have a ton of opportunity with a little less now than half of the conference season left. Great, great win again. How did you feel, by the way, for 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 Mallory and for the team to finally yeah, get number one this past weekend? You know, we, you know, we've suffered through a really uh, difficult season for sure, and uh, you know, in in a in a uh, environment where we're graded on wins and losses, ultimately, um, you know, it, it just was just a difficult uh, run, knowing that. Uh, you know, during this COVID competition season, it, many folks will, will not know all the all the little hurdles that uh, that team had to go through. But they they're they're continuing to chop wood because they want to play. And um, I'd say in 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 certain circumstances, we've taken the approach of trying to play uh, as best as we can. And um, you know, I would say that. Um, not all things are created equal during this time frame, and uh, you know to get a win obviously was huge. It would have been great to be able to follow that back up um, on Saturday. Western, uh, you know, did a did a nice job of uh, coming back and and, and winning the game. Um, you know, but now we've got to go to a Denver team that, you know, I, I think we have opportunity and we've just got to figure it out. And, uh, you know, hopefully the team can continue to build uh, and, and continue to get uh, better and and go from there on the men's side. Um, yeah, I you know, the men have been pretty consistent in in split mode. Right. I mean, it's just kind of a yeah. you know, it seems like if we have success the first night, um, the other team's coming back and, and, and figuring us out and, and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, in talking to Paul, I, I think there is a definite mentality to the uh, ability to play back to back against the same team. And what's kind of seems like what's won out is the team that has lost the, the night before to, to come back and kind of maybe either fix things or impose their will on the other team. And uh, just interesting. And I think, you know, hockey has dealt with this for years, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, each, each you know, as, as hockey, hockey uh, coaches like to say, you know, the team that lost the night before is going to make a push, right, to begin the game. And you got to withstand the push. And if you don't, you put yourself in a tough spot. It is interesting to see again every week without fail for UND, uh, with the exception of South Dakota State two weeks ago down in Frost, that it has been a split all the way through, whether it's against some of the top teams in the league like NDSU or Oral Roberts or some of the teams obviously at the other end, including Western Illinois, who got their first league win against UND on Saturday. It's just the nature of this. All these teams are, are really close in terms of talent level and execution and it comes down to a couple of a couple plays, really, at the end of games. And UND's been on the right end on four occasions. They've been on the wrong end on six occasions. And they're right smack dab in the middle of the league standings right now on the men's side. 
now they get to go on the road to face to face Denver, as you said, who was off this past weekend because of a COVID case. Uh, DU looking for their first league win, so a great chance for UND maybe to build on, you know, the successes of of recent weeks and pick up maybe a, a, a sweep and move yourself up in the standings. But it's it doesn't get much easier again because it's it's Denver this coming week, of course, which. You think maybe you can get some momentum, but then it's USD, who's unbeaten in conference play on both the men's and the women's side, uh, coming home for the home finales of the regular season for UND Hoops the following weekend. And again, those games will be, by the way, Saturday, Sunday. Speaking of scheduling changes, that's one of the results of hockey having to switch a home series against Denver for the 5th and 6th of February to the 12th and 13th because of another COVID case with Colorado College. Now, Now basketball gets to play some matinees on Saturday, Sunday as well. Yeah, it, it, you know, um, there seems to be always a, it, it's a domino effect. And so when one decision's made, you've got to figure out how that affects, you know, your current situation in that scenario to play hockey on Friday and Saturday night. Not that you couldn't do it. It just would have been difficult for a few different reasons. You know, one is the television piece is one. I mean, it would have been hard <laughs> to do two games at once. I mean, uh it, it, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to yes. say necessarily impossible, I guess, but I, I it, hard, hard, um, it hard, yeah. hard. Let's put it in the hard category. And so it, it, in fact, by doing this actually gave us an opportunity to potentially have, I'll call it the ability to put all six games on. Yeah. So, so, the, so there was, and again, I, I not one, uh, you know, scenario or, or, um, lens is any more important than the other, but the most important one was, was South Dakota willing to do it? And so that was a whole nother story too. So we had to kind of ask South Dakota because just think from a staffing standpoint, right? The ticket takers and a lot of our folks that run video boards and those types of things and just game management folks, uh, you know, even though, uh, you know, you could do it in two separate arenas, you can't split the person and tell them to go to the Ralph and Betty. Right. And so at the end of the day, it just worked out a little bit better this way. Um, it's our last home games for basketballs as well. And so you kind of have a senior piece to this as well. And so we had to think that through. Um, and so there just was some, uh, you know, just a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. But I give uh, South Dakota um, uh, much kudos that they were willing to kind of change some things up. Because here's the other thing that they had to do. Then they had to figure out now what's their testing cadence for the following week. Because yeah. that gets altered and pivoted and so but at the end i think we got to him early enough i think if it was the week of it would have been hard i don't think it would have happened i think because it was two weeks out we had a shot well we're thankful again certainly from a television standpoint that the games were shifted because like you said i think you could say it would have been really hard it, it really would have been impossible because it would have been splitting people essentially and like the timing of it all to move the vehicles and get equipment from our truck from the Betty to the Ralph even though it's essentially the same area the same facility ish it's not like going from the Alaris across town it just would have been uh it would have been dicey to try and yeah. make those things happen on a Friday. I tee, I tee you up to say that because I, I would say hopefully sometimes this pod, you get a little inside baseball, right? Like, like, it, it, you know, for some folks they might think, well, gee whiz, uh, you know, it could happen. I, I guess if you duplicated, as you said, staffs and equipment and all that yeah. stuff, that's just not reality right now. Yeah, we just, yeah, I mean, you could technically, like, could we have two trucks in Grand Forks and put both games on at the same time? You could, but we, but we can't. I mean, that's kind of one of those, yes, physically possible, realistically no. So as it stands, I mean, we'll, we're excited to have um, both Denver games now on our airwaves. One of those was going to be a CBS game. CBS couldn't make that work with the date shift. So we'll have both hockey games coming up on MidCoSN. And then we'll also have all four hoops games on Saturday, Sunday. We'll be praying for no overtime on Saturday because uh, I believe a noon and a, and a 2.30 tip for, for men's and women's hoops on Saturday, followed by a 6 o'clock hockey opening puck drop. So the uh, the hope would be as long as everything goes okay and we, we've got some duplicate audio equipment and some other things we can do to make setup time at the Ralph uh, quicker than normal. It'll still still be pushing it a little bit, but we're going to do our best to get everything up and running Saturday night. I guess, Alex, here's the the truth, right? Um, It's at least not the following week where you've got football into the equation. Yes, yes. So So that becomes a whole different story. 
before the schedules all came out, uh, I was on a text thread with Alec Johnson, the SID for football and men's basketball with UND. And we had that kind of that, oh, that feeling of, well, what happens if we have basketball and it's the same weekend as hockey and it's the same weekend as football all at home? And it was kind of a dot, dot, dot. They wouldn't do that to us, right? Like they, th- this, <laughs> the people in charge, we recognize that this is just oh, not, not good. And yes, Bill's raising his hand to say we were not going to let that happen. And again, we're, we're thankful for it. So, so football, yeah, when football opens up the following weekend, just a hockey series, just a normal doubleheader hockey football on Saturday instead of trying to squeeze some basketball games in there as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we're we're trying to think through all of those things. I mean, I that you know, and again, what was interesting about the football schedule, of course, um, you're trying to start in domes because of the weather, and so that became interesting and challenging. But yeah, we try to lay and overlay all of that on top of it and say, is this even feasible, right? From uh, a human capital standpoint, from uh, call it a television standpoint, all of that. And so, yep, all of that gets um, discussed for sure. And, uh, you know, today we believe what the schedule is, but I'm sure, um, you know, as of this recording and after it drops, who knows, things could change from there. Just because we're on this, it is amazing to think that football will begin their spring season on the 20th of February, which is now 18 days away. That's wild. Three home games to start. That schedule, of course, got upset a little bit with the news of Indiana State opting out. Great to see, again, the rest of the Valley schools jump in, but the league, of course, making some scheduling changes. For North Dakota, really, the home away stuff hasn't really changed. Like, the opposition hasn't really changed a whole lot. It's just a matter of who UND is playing in a couple of certain dates have been shifted around a bit with Southern Illinois now coming in as the season opening opponent instead of Missouri State. They get dropped back a little bit to later in the season. A road date with NDSU gets moved up. Those are kind of the big headline ones in terms of the shift. But nice at least that the dates haven't changed. Maybe the opponents have a little bit. Yeah, we were we were one of the schools that were, uh, for the most part, um, had to stay uh, locked with the dates that we we currently had, and so uh, Greg Walter, our associate commissioner in the Valley, um, who who handles the scheduling, did a nice job altering. And you're exactly right. I mean, opponents the same, dates the same, just they changed. Uh, you know, they switched out in, in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, I you know it's it's just it, it's interesting, Alex. Um, you know, I think Central Connecticut was the last team in the FCS that has opted out. I think that was late last week. And um, be interested to see if any others. I think right now we're just under a hundred schools that are playing at this point in time. But you know, um, uh, just so it'll be uh, interesting to see as we get even now closer to 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 kicking if anybody else uh, makes that decision. I, nothing that I've heard. I, I have a pretty good pulse, I think, on uh, the FCS uh, with my counterparts, and I haven't heard anything at this uh, at this juncture. But hey, the one thing we know is we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You mentioned college hockey having a tough time figuring out your playoff field. I mean, same thing for the FCS. I, I think they, they have decided to shift down to 16 teams instead of the usual 24. I think that is official now, I think, right? That's the plan yeah, for yeah. the postseason. Figuring out who those 16 will be with schools playing various number of games across the country and some who had played in the fall and those games, I guess, count another headache that we're going to have to figure out over the course of the next couple of months. But again, a, a good headache to have. It'll be fun to have football back in our lives. Is that going to be bizarre, by the way, getting ready for competitive football games in late February, Bill? Yeah, I think there's a couple things going on. I, I, I think one in, again, uh, you know, in discussing and talking with our, our football team themselves, they're excited about playing, which is great. So, but I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I think you can kind of do a couple different things, right? I mean, in some ways, it's just so odd that we're playing to this time of year, but what an awesome opportunity to get experience. And so again, we're in a bottom line business. I get it, but there's also the ability from a developmental standpoint too. So I think you're trying to juxtapose both of those, right? I mean, in some ways, um, you know, all of our coaches, 
uh, in football that are playing in the spring will have to, you know, think through. And I've had this conversation with Coach Schweiger is, you know, folks are talking about the potential of the amount of games you could play in one calendar year. I do think it's as much about how you practice because those are the those are the days you really control and those are the ones that are much more plentiful. So I think that's uh, that's something I know he and I have discussed on kind of how to to some level throttle that back so that you're uh, you're thoughtful and you're looking at this holistically for the next nine to ten months. Uh, I got to spend some time in practice this past week over at the HPC. Thankfully, inside the HPC when it was about three degrees outside and we were indoors and it was comfortable. Uh, so thanks again to everybody for contributing to that a couple of years ago. The foresight, incredible to know this is going to happen. Um, but it was it was interesting to see just like you said, kind of that that rate of practice, like that normal fall camp intensity was there in spurts, but also you know, they're going in 75 minute to 90 minute increments, you know, and, and at that time it was just half pads. They're trying to view this, I think, in that in that mindset of like, look, we need to get ready for this season, but we also need to take care of these guys and make sure we don't have an extra amount of attrition, you know, have guys get hurt or just have guys get, get burned out or put extra wear and tear on their bodies, knowing it is going to be a pretty heavy workload for them here in 2021. And A, it was fun to see them out playing, like just fun to see football happening again with real games coming around the corner. They haven't played a competitive game since Thanksgiving weekend of 2019. I mean, it's been a long time since they've played competitive football. And so, I, and you could see the excitement was there amongst the guys. So I think we're all yeah. looking forward to getting things going as well. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think, um, you know, you talk to enough folks that uh, have played any sport, they love to play the games. And so I, I don't think it's anything that um, our guys are saying that they don't want to do, but I, I do appreciate our, our coaches taking the mindset that I, I just don't think it can be pedal to the metal, so to speak. It, you know, and, and honestly, Alex, I know when we flip to the B side, we always talk premier soccer, but it's very similar in a sense, right? Like, like you've got to be really thoughtful about what your fixture, uh, you know, look like over over the course of a period of time and and you're going to have to then manage you know your your individuals and, and how much you're putting on their odometer and so it's almost no different than uh what uh bubba and the crew is going to have to do i would agree with that and we will get to some spurs talk coming up here in just a little bit to build i really look, i really i really look forward to it <laughs> until you're excited uh, a couple of the UND things first, though. Volleyball has gotten off the mark really well in the Summit League. They started the season with a non-conference series at North Dakota State, a couple of close losses to the Bison, and then bounced back with a road sweep, a pair of five-set wins in Tulsa over Oral Roberts on Sunday and Monday. Good start to the season for Jeremiah Tiffin. And a really, I don't want to say completely new-look team, but a lot of new faces that are going to get some big-time minutes this year for him. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a long time for that group too uh, that they you know that they've not been able to play and and so uh, I know it's just a, it's an it's it's just it's just odd. That's all I will say. That all these sports are played at once. I can't lie to yeah. you. I just odd, but I yeah, it was good to uh, see that. Um, you know, two five setters. That's a uh, that'll help you as you go down because there's a mentality there when you can grind out five set wins. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, UND picked to finish sixth in the Summit League. They'll get a a stern test coming up this weekend with the preseason favorites, South Dakota, coming to town. It's a USD team that just beat the number 14 team in the country in Creighton, and then ended up losing to Creighton in the rematch in five sets. But good litmus tests for Jeremiah Tiffin and company here coming up at home on Sunday and Monday. And Sunday's game, by the way, 1 o'clock on Midco SN, so you can catch that if you can't be at the Betty. What, by the way, just because we're on this, what is the home attendance policy for volleyball in terms of spectators? I know that that had sort of been in discussion recently. I'm not sure if I had seen an official statement of what the plan is yeah, for, so, for volleyball so, this year. Yeah, I can just stay really broad. And I, so let me let me answer it this way. Information will be on our website. So I let, but I'll stay really at the high level. Our manifest will not change much as far as how we can physically distant in, inside the Betty. So it'll be very similar to hoops to some degree. Um, I, that's been our, I guess, guiding principle when it comes to actual attendance is how do we manifest, whether it be the Betty, the Ralph or Alaris Center, so that you can physically distant. So even though you potentially could have more in, that is at least the principle that we're going with at this point. 
Cool. Good to know. So check out FightingHawks.com for more details about that. Again, Sunday, Monday, first home dates of the season for UND Volleyball. First home track meet of the season for Christine Engel and our indoor track and field crew uh, was this past weekend, the UND Open. Fans were not allowed to attend because this was an on-campus facility. But really quick, just talk about that difference between allowing fans to come to the Betty, to come to the Ralph, to come to the Alaris, but not to the HPC. Yeah, you know, so uh, it, it is a little confusing. I mean, uh, and, and I would say, you know, unless you, I guess you're you're in it on a day-to-day basis, it's it, it, you, you're kind of looking at it from a distance and you're saying, wow, that seems odd. But uh, the HPC is a UND-owned building. And currently at this point in time, UND protocols is that we're just not having patrons uh, in, in our facilities at this point in time. And that kind of includes, you know, whether it be theater, uh, you know, my daughter's in theater. I mean, they, they've ended up, uh, uh, video streaming uh their performances and that's exactly what we did with uh with the actual indoor track something we were wanting to do for a long period of time and this really pushed us over the edge to make sure that we did that and uh so it was it that worked out pretty well but for sure for some folks you might say well why is it for one facility and not the other and a lot of it has to do is basic protocols and and what we're abiding by from a und perspective good to know well explained yeah so on the plus side even though fans weren't allowed to attend the whole thing was streamed online and we saw some big numbers of people tuning in, not just in America, Bill, but internationally as well. A couple of countries in Europe and the Caribbean and Canada. We had almost 1,800 people or so watching around the globe in this event. A lot, a lot of fans in Austria, Bill, of UND Track and Field. Yeah, so I guess when you have international students, that will uh, that'll resonate. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, that is the one thing I'll say, and, and I'll use it, you know, a lot of times, right? Theater, to me, is very similar to athletics. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're practicing, rehearsing, you're doing all that, and then you have game day, right? I mean, you have the shows or you have games. And I think from a streaming standpoint, uh, great when you can actually literally watch some things and doesn't matter literally where you are in the world. And that's what we saw over the weekend, six different countries uh, in, with the U.S. being included uh, witnessed our track meet. So, and again, if this was, let's just say last year, or we'll call it a normal year, um, that would just be people walking in to uh, the HPC to watch the actual meet. And that would be it. So kind of cool that we're able to do that. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, good stuff there. Shout out, by the way, to Jennifer Parent, who was kind of the star of that UND Open meet. She's a junior from Forest Lake, Minnesota. She won the pole vault, second highest clearance all time in UND history. And then later in the day, won the triple jump. I mean, that's not necessarily an obvious combination. A lot of times you're a specialist at the D1 level, especially in something like pole vault. But she triple jumped 37 feet, which is pretty dang good. And uh, cleared, I think, 12, nine and three quarters, something like that in the pole vault. So a, some, a rising star, literally a rising star on the UND track team. Fun to see these kids have a chance. I know, as Bill does the rim shot over there. Fun to see these. You'll be here all week, folks. Hey, try hey, hey. <laughs> oh, man. It's that time of the pod. Getting punchy. Getting close to the B-side. We're just getting a little loose. A little loose over here. Let's get to the B-side. Hey. We have to. <laughs> Quickly, before we, before we flip, two last things. Men's and women's tennis also in action. Fun to see both of those teams rolling. And then women's soccer, kind of a last-minute exhibition that popped up against Minot State last weekend. Uh, the girls getting off the mark before they start their play. I think coming up February the 12th is their first regular season game. It's just so fun to see everybody in the UND Athletics family essentially getting in on the act. I can't really think off the top of my head. Who's not competing? Ever, ever, softball is the only program really, I think, that isn't playing games right now. At this point, and then golfs, I guess, have Golf, they? I really, would be also yeah, they golfs have not, yet. Yeah, but I, you know, it's funny, and the reason why I I pause is because I've seen all the travel that has come through my desk. So I have to think through, like, have they gone or not? And <laughs> you know, and here's that's the reason why you divide out your teams among your senior staff too, right? So that everyone's got a pulse on what's going on with uh with the programs. But yeah, I mean, it it feels like um. A little bit like we're herding cats, right? I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's going. Everyone's going. Everyone's on their own testing regimen. Every, I mean, it's just, it, it's a little bit organized chaos. 
the crazy thing is golf is going to start right around the corner. And, and so is softball. So all of these sports really soon are all going to be in action. Incredible stuff. Good luck, Bill, to you, to your staff, trying to keep all this straight. Thankfully, hopefully, just a one-off type of a deal, an anomaly 2021 in the winter and spring of getting all this action going on at the same time. On that note, let's flip it over to the B side. A couple of quick topics. I think starting quickly with EPL action, Spurs, who had been playing pretty well, hanging in there, top four-ish, back-to-back losses now, including a defeat in the Heinrich Shaves Derby, a 3-1 win for Liverpool last Thursday. The Brighton game, though, one nothing. you fall to the Seagulls. Matthew Shears, Seagulls, our women's basketball and volleyball SID. Has Matt lorded that over you at all in the last couple of days? Did you get a text from Matt, or is he staying underground after his, his lowly Brighton and Hove Albion Seagulls took down the mighty Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, I am almost thinking that we're better off playing teams like Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to some level. I, I don't know. You know, what's interesting is I, I've said this, I've been pretty consistent. I said this to my son who also is a Spurs fan. So here's, here's my, um, here's my thought process. City and Liverpool are the two best teams. They're going to be one, two, that, that I don't two, one, one, two, whatever they're gone. Then I think you've got four teams that are vying for two spots right now. And probably you call United and, and Leicester, Chelsea, and probably, probably Tottenham. So that's probably what's happening right now. I don't believe in West Ham, I, whatever. You can say that where they are, that's fine. <laughs> that I don't believe in them. And so there might be another, maybe Arsenal somehow gets on a roll for sure, but I think it's four for two. Now being honest, I, I, it, the high water mark for Tottenham is third, and you, you're praying for fourth. That's what you're doing, really, at this point. You're trying to win a League Cup, or you're trying to win Europe, right? And they're still in the FA Cup. So all of those things are still out there. But how they're playing right now, that's the issue. Just it's how they're playing. And, you know, this pat like, they went 70 minutes, I think, without a shot from from the Liverpool end of their match to 30 minutes in to the Brighton match. That's hard to do. Like, so just think about that for a second. How would you win a match if you don't have a shot? (laughs) Own goal. I mean, hope for a mistake, a really, really bad mistake. So, so, so beyond all of that, that's the issue. Is is just their ability to actually create some offense right now. If Harry Kane aside, I, like he doesn't, it doesn't bother me. He's out for two weeks. It's not, it's not season ending. It's fine. I mean, he, everyone, it's so much mileage on their, on their bodies that it doesn't surprise me that they go down, but their ability to understand what they were going to do without him, uh, when you knew this was coming, didn't seem awesome. Is this the first time in the last year and a half or so that you're starting to question the methods of Jose Mourinho. I, I like him just because he's interesting. (laughs) I don't necessarily like the football that the Spurs play. So if you put yourself in Daniel Levy's shoes, the chairman of Spurs, if you're in charge and you're making the decisions, is Jose your manager, whether or not either for the rest of this season or moving forward, is this the guy you want in charge to lead this team forward? What's the financial responsibility? Do you think roughly don't don't they owe him? I mean, they're paying him a lot of money. I think he's on a three year deal, a three or four year deal. I think, right. So he's in year two, I believe of a four year deal. Well, you would know better than I like because of the managers uh, in the premier league, uh, generally speaking, uh, their runs are pretty short. short. Right. They're short, (laughs) short lived. Yes. So is it like a football player getting, upfront money and it's not guaranteed or do you think some of these because that will make a difference um given the covid given their um leverage with their stadium given a lot of things like he just might have a run here because of the financial situation yeah i think it's more like college football coaching versus nfl players where if you're owed you know have on a, on a four-year contract you are owed the money for that four-year contract. And if you are let go, they will have to either buy you out or come to some sort of agreement, or they're going to be paying your salary even though you are not coaching the team. That, it's, it's that type of a model. So if they were to cut ties with him, 
a year and a half into a four-year deal, they would be paying Jose. He would still be on the books until 2024, whether or not he's managing at Tottenham. So I don't see it happening then. Yeah, I, I don't. I think they're. I and again, I I I did. It, it was interesting. I I guess their formations have been a little bit different lately and um, they've got to go to four in the back again. And I, I, I just, they, they've just, it's been odd. I, they were pretty solid defensively there for a, sh- a run and now they have not been. And then that has led to them not being able to get the ball to midfield, which then struggles to get to their forwards. Like it's not really that hard. It's really not that hard. They can do one thing well, and that's that's counterattack. They they are a good counterattacking team, and that's what Jose set them up to do to play deep, play behind the ball, and then when but you they get can't an build up, and and that's it. I mean that you they they don't score from open play really. They they don't score when they, they possession numbers are bad, and especially with Kane out, it was a one-two counterattacking punch with Kane and Son, and now that it's just a one-man counterattack, that just doesn't really work. So it's going to be. You know, could they could take their lumps here over the next couple of weeks potentially till Sir Harry comes back? They they could. Um, I still think that if they could find a way to win one of those other competitions they were in, so the first time since 08, that's good. Um, but to find a way, well, actually, if you end up winning Europe, then you do go to the Champions League. Correct. So that so that's still a thing too. So so I mean, you got to kind of balance. You know, I, I don't think you can get too high or too down, like uh, too low or too high in this whole scenario. You're going to go through bad patches and they're just going through a bad patch right now. But uh, it's more the how they're playing is not necessarily the result. I mean, literally, they went the last 40 minutes of the Liverpool match without a shot in the first 30 of the Brighton match. <laughs> well, that's hard next, to do. Hard to do. Your next three home against first coming up on Thursday, you get quote-unquote, an easy one, home against West Brom coming up on Sunday. West Brom, who were awful, but have sort of been playing nothing's better lately. Nothing's easy, though, for no, this team, Nothing's right? easy. And then you got to go to Manchester City next Saturday. So Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a beatdown. So 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 you're lucky to beat Chelsea at home, figure out West Brom, and then roll the dice against Man City. Because the one thing you're going to do against Man City is I'll, I'll take that loss if they beat him in the Carabao Cup final. There you go. Win the silverware, Bill. It's all about the silverware. That's right. You got to stay focused on this thing right now. Although I think Liverpool's back a little bit. That I thought we were catching them at the right time. If we could have found a way to score first, I mean, they were not in great form themselves. No, it'd have been an awful run. Liverpool hadn't scored a, four games in a row in the Premier League, and they had lost two of those. And it had been a rough couple of weeks for Jurgen Klopp. Injuries really caught up to them. They're playing two central midfielders in the heart of their defense. Their front, you know, their attacking guys had, had really just run out of steam, essentially. And it's crazy, but Jose Mourinho, that was the tonic they needed. <laughs> they scored three and looked pretty good. They had looked better against Manchester United at the weekend in the FA Cup. They lost the heartbreaker, a three to two game, but at least they they looked good. And now all of a sudden they've won back to back games, looked great against West Ham this weekend. So the title challenge I- back on. What I find interesting about Mourinho hurts the Spurs because. <laughs> You tend to get people's best shot with him. <laughs> you pay attention. So you, you can't slink. You can't slink in. You can't slink in and kind of like it, it's. Everyone wants to kind of stick it to him, and so <laughs> so you know that's a problem. And when you're not playing well, and you're not as talented as certain teams. I mean, I, let's face it: City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. I would say much more talented roster, right? Much more. Yeah, they, yeah. Then Although, after again, that, Spurs though again, no slouch. I mean, they're probably better than certainly better than the other teams that are right there with them. But they would be at the the bottom end of the top six, yes, in terms of talent. I would take Leicester's team over their team right now in terms of talent. You would take Leicester. I would take Leicester over Spurs. Yeah. See, I just think Leicester knows who they are and they're playing to their apex. Yeah, and I don't helps. know. I don't know who uh, who who Tottenham is. They're, not a great place to be. No, no, <laughs> not, and you know, not a great place to be. You know who's got me pro- who who's got me worried? Truly, is Larice hasn't been good. Mm. That guy, I'm just telling you, he might need glasses. <laughs> when it goes for a goalie, it can go kind of quick, and it can be ugly. 
but he's he's not that old. I want to say, I mean, he's maybe early 30s still. Mid-30s yeah, no, he's maybe? not that old. And, and so. normally, what, don't goalkeepers, maybe mid-30s, is that fair to say? Some, some get, like Oliver Kahn played until he was in his 40s with Bayern Munich and was, was still pretty good. It, everybody's different. Like Tim Howard was older, too, with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, 34, by the way, Hugo Lloris, just turned 34 okay. on Boxing Day. So... But yeah, you're kind of in that, you, you never know. Everybody's body's a little bit different. Once you lose a step, you lose a jump. Because that's it. You need the reflexes. You need to have that great explosion to make those saves, to cut off the angle. And if you lose that, you can become pretty average really quick. Not asking for Joe Hart to play. That's start there. So there's that. Um, the other one is, okay, Let's we'll leave this pod on this. Where do you think our guy from Dortmund goes? Oh, Erling Haaland? Uh, yep. He's going to go to Real Madrid. I, w- I will tell you that. I don't think he's going to... Oh, you he, think so? That's yeah. that's happening? He's not going to Spurs. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Is he going to England or is he going to go somewhere else? I think he's going to go to Spain. I think that that would be the most logical destination for him. The, the initial thought last year was that he would go meet up with his countryman, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, in Manchester to play for United. That seemed to be like, oh, here's an obvious link. This would have been a guy that he would have looked up to growing up, et cetera. And he turned them down. And so that makes you think, well, I mean, he's not, he's probably not a Manchester City. He's not a Chelsea. He's not a, he just, it seems to me that he is better, as weird as that sounds. He's a bigger fish even than those teams and that it will be Real Madrid who will come in and land him. Although again, they have some issues financially right now as does Barcelona. But if they can sort that out, he's a Madrid kind of a player. And that's probably where he would end up. Yeah, I was uh, I was tracking on Poch to PSG lost to like an 18th place team, three two. And so the one thing Poch can do, they can score, but they play exciting brand of games where sometimes you're on the wrong end of it. Yeah, they they will be a fun team to watch in the Champions League coming up. And I saw Neymar just signed a new four year contract with them and is committed to Paris now moving forward. So. We will see. Apparently, he's all in on the Pochettino revolution. <laughs> oh. Before we go, really quick, Super Bowl prediction. It's, it's Super Bowl Sunday this weekend. Give me, give me quick, Bucks, or do you, do you go with Brady, or yeah. do you decide to, to stick with the, with the champs and go with the Chiefs? I, I, feel like, I feel like Kansas City has done exactly what they have to do all year to win games. And I, I, unless, they, unless the, it's like 4-1 in turnovers, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how Tampa gets it done. I just think there's too many weapons on Kansas City's end. But, you know, again, why you play the game, uh, yada, yada, yada. I mean, but I think they had better wins substantially in the turnover margin. I would say that that's a great way to break it down. I think that's the smart way to look at this game. And I, my heart will be with Tom. I'm pulling for the Bucks. I don't think they're going to win the game. I think he'll finish his career 6-4 and four in Super Bowls and still be the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, quite, quite fr- fascinating that they're actually playing at home too, right? Isn't that it, wild? It, yeah, it took, what, 55 years? 55 years of Super Bowls. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, as always, I, I know, the, I think the every other week pod has worked okay. So yeah. we probably hang into that, if that makes sense. Works for me. Works for me. All Bill. right, sounds good. Have a great week. Bill, thanks. Big thanks to Bill Chaves, of course, as always. Thanks to our producer, Cassie Niles. I'm Alex Heiner. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.